Hello friends, and welcome to Anything Goes. And hello to all of you new listeners just tuning in for the first time. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and I'm so glad to have you all here. Hello to all of you all over the world tuning in. Let's jump into today's episode. What do you say? Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. And to all my new listeners, hello, hello, hello. Uh, We are quickly approaching the time, depending on what day you're listening to this. If you're listening, I'm assuming you're listening on the release date. Uh, We are quickly approaching, uh, here in the U.S. at least, uh, Christmas Day. And... uh, I think maybe there's a few other places that do it on the same day as well. I'm not entirely sure. I know there's like Boxing Day, and then obviously there's Hanukkah, and there's other things that go on. There's an old Seinfeld episode, Seinfeld episode, I think, that was like um, Festivus for the rest of us, something like that. <laughs> anywell, uh, anywells, anyways. <laughs> I hope things have been going well for you, friends. Uh, I know life has been difficult for um, all of us, I'm going to say. It's been a global challenge with the pandemic and then all the effects of that uh, economically and everything else. Um, If you are encountering challenges, I hope that they come to resolution soon and in a way that is of help for you. Uh, I know I've certainly been facing challenges over the last close to two years. I haven't really talked about them Um, but there have been challenges I've been facing that have made it a little difficult on, uh, living for my wife and I, but, you know, we try to do what we can. Uh, that all said, friends, picking up on this episode where we left off on the last two, and if you're just jumping in on this one, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the previous two so that you can kind of follow the whole storyline here on what we're doing. Uh, so we're going to jump back in. On the last one, I think we finished off talking about a um, narrative from Cornwall, Poland kind of area. Um, At least that's how it's listed, so maybe it's something that was shared in Cornwall and Poland. Nevertheless. Um, So now we're going to jump not from Poland, or not back into Poland, even though they have uh, a few there. Well, since there are several, maybe we'll do one more. Um, yeah, we'll go with one more. So this one is kind of, uh, on the plague omen. And we'll jump into it. A peasant, having lost his wife and children by the plague, fled from his desolate hut and sought refuge in the forest. He wandered about the whole day. Towards evening he made a hut of branches, lit a fire, and being tired soon fell asleep. Which, I will say, there's nothing quite as cozy as, you know, relaxing by a fire. Especially when you feel nice and secure. Anyways, back to the story. It was already past midnight when he was awakened by a great noise. He jumped up and listened. He could hear 
at a distance, merry songs, accompanied by the music of drums and pipes. He was greatly surprised at these rejoicings, especially when he remembered that the plague was depopulating the country. The music approached, and the terror-stricken peasant saw Homen, H-O-M-E-N, so written in the original Polish, advancing through a, a wide road. Homen consisted of a number of specters of the most extraordinary shapes and kinds. In the midst of them was a high, black wagon, on the top of which sat the plague. The ghastly company increased at every step, for almost everything they met on the road changed into a specter and followed the rest. The peasant's fire was nearly out. There remained only a good-sized, half-burnt stem. As soon as Homan approached, the firebrand stood up, spread out two arms from its sides, and the red embers changed into two shining eyes. It joined at once the train of the plague, and began also to sing. The pleasant was the pleasant. <laughs> the peasant was thunderstruck, almost beside himself with terror. He seized the axe and tried to strike the nearest specter. But the axe fell from his hands and was immediately changed into the shape of a tall woman. Hey, that sounds familiar. She shook her dark hair before his eyes, joined the throng, and began also to sing. Homan passed on. The astonished peasant saw how trees, bushes, even owls and other night birds assumed various forms and swelled the horrible company. The dreadful harbinger of widespread death. He fell senseless on the ground. In the morning, when the warm sun awakened him, he found that all he had bought or brought with him, was broken to pieces, his goods spoiled, his clothes torn. He knew at once that it was nothing else than Homan who had done, them, done him so much injury. And thanking heaven that at least his wife was spared, he went further on in search of food and shelter. Now this one's a little bit longer, but isn't it interesting? Here again we see this tall, skinny woman, the longer hair, um, which we see that, isn't that interesting nowadays, right? We see that from like, I think of like movies like The Ring. Uh, you see it used, I think there is some sort of, I don't know if it's like China or Japan or like Korea or where it is, where this legend comes up of this lady in white, very tall, kind of skinny, long black hair. But it's interesting that you see these parallels. It's also interesting that, once again, it's the personification of the plague, right? Um, and this time it's not the woman being exactly the plague, but becoming this personification that joins the plague. Um, and again, we're seeing, right, that it's affecting everything, plants, animals, humans, you name it. 
it's interesting to see that because, you know, uh, we, again, we have a tendency to want to blame whatever. When we don't know what to blame, we have to blame something, right? Now, an interesting thing to that is why don't we ever look at ourselves as much? You know, I'm not saying that there aren't things that are to blame, but sometimes we have to ask, and I think it's a wise and a healthy thing to ask, is there anything I need to be accountable for? You know, don't beat yourself up about it. It's not about saying, oh, I'm a terrible human being. We all do stupid things. We all do foolish things. We all make mistakes. But it's good to be able to take accountability and say, is there anything I could do differently? Is there some part I should own in this? And how can I improve upon it so that I don't do it again? Right? Making mistakes is human. Continuing to make those mistakes is uh, foolishness. Um, so, yeah. Again, we start to see how some of these narratives start to mishmash together and pass back and forth. And, and you see how they spread and... How are they spreading? Well, not to seem macabre, right? But kind of like a plague, except that would be humanity spreading from one place to another and with them bringing their culture, their stories, their ideology, what have you. So, yeah. Now, let's jump from Poland over to Estonia. And I'm going to tell you now, there's probably a couple of things I may not say right here because, again... I don't know this language, but I will, as I have been doing, spell it out when I don't know how to say it so that you can try to figure it out for yourself. That said, let's jump into it. A foreign ship lay anchored near the island of Hiuma. Um, H-I-I-U-M-A-A. A few peasants rowed out from the shore to bring provisions. As they were returning, a small boy jumped into their boat. He was three feet tall and dressed in a gray jacket, cut in the style of nobility, and with a three-cornered hat like those formerly worn by Swedish peasants in Hiuma, H-I-I-U-M-A-A. They threw him into the water, but he quickly reappeared and took his place in the boat. And that is how the plague came to the village of Kardla, or Kudla, K-A with the umlau, R-D-L-A. If the plague entered a house and the inhabitants called out the greeting, God bless you, then it had no power over them. However, if the plague greeted first, or if the inhabitants delayed their greeting, then they would all die. Thus the plague entered a house where everyone was asleep except for an old servant woman who was lying on the stove. The woman saw how the plague struck each person one after the other with a staff. A black and blue spot emerged from the spot where each one was struck. From this spot the sickness spread across the entire body, which killed the person in a short time. When the plague was about to leave, the servant woman called out, Touch me with your staff as well. But the plague replied, 
your name is not recorded with the others. Thus, she was the only person in the entire household to remain alive. Now, again, right here we see similarities. We see a personification of the plague. We see the plague having a conversation with someone, much like we saw with the narrative of the young girl in black on the other side of the brook. Um, or not, not the young girl in black, the young girl in yellow, speaking to the preacher, right, the priest. Um, so we see some similarities there. Uh, this time it has no gender, so it's kind of genderless as far as we can tell. It's using an object to spread the plague, which is interesting, right? It's not itself, it's what it has with it, an instrument of sorts. And then here again, we see this idea of faith, right? This, if you say, God bless you, then you're safe. Which, you know, is kind of like going back to the stuff I talked about with, you know, the Hebrews in Egypt about the blood over the posts and lentils that would keep the angel of death away from them. The idea of saying, God bless you, how that would protect, they believed it would protect people from getting the, the plague. Um, and so we see again, right? See how these things start to mishmash together. And we see these kind of stories being passed around here and there and changing from one place to another. Now, we see the same thing here. Again, the faith aspect, right? Uh, we see that. The personification of COVID, I guess I would argue that you could say that we do have a personification of COVID in a more modern sense, in that, at least here in the U.S., right, the people who tend to not agree with what's going on with the COVID stuff, the vaccines, the masks, the social distancing, a lot of times, not all of them, but a lot of times I've seen those are the ones who will personify uh, who will blame someone and that person is. Um, a lot of times this uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, I think, is who they usually go after, right? Is they say, oh, well, he was in cahoots with uh, Wuhan to create this COVID virus and it got out and it caused problems. And I'm not here to argue whether or not it did or didn't. What I'm simply saying is here we see where we're taking a, a pandemic and we're saying you're the cause of it right this this person and here we see in these stories the same thing a, a personification of sorts of the plague or giving it a face so that we can have something to blame and again right the idea that your faith will protect you entirely and again don't get me wrong I'm a person of faith myself. I'm not saying that there isn't something of value in, in, in faith. But as I said in previous episode, uh, as the saying I, I, I was told by intellectuals, especially those of faith, you know, God gave you a brain between your ears, not so that it sits there and you do nothing with it. Uh, we, we should use our mind to say, well, what would seem reasonable? You know, uh, if you think about a pandemic or a plague as being like, a lion in the wilderness that you're, you know, in the wilderness and it's somewhere around you. Your idea wouldn't probably be to go, you know what? Eh, I'm not going to practice getting away from it. It won't affect me. And if it does, it'll be minor. No, you'll probably want to get the heck away from that lion, right? 
I think sometimes it's a useful mental exercise to um, think about it in that kind of context, to think about pandemics, plagues in that kind of context and ask yourself, if it was a lion and it was around me, would I want to get away from it? Would I want to get into shelter? Would I want to do something so that I wouldn't find myself easy prey? Well, of course you would. Of course you would. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see how we see some of these similarities coming up. Speaking of coming up, we're coming up on a break. So we will be right back after this message. Hey friends, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know and remind you, this podcast needs support. Uh, so, how are a few ways you can support it? Uh, well, one, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H hyphen Guzman, G-U-Z-M-A-N hyphen M-A. There you can click on that support button and you can become a monthly supporter of the podcast for $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. This is a monthly recurring, and so you can set it and forget it, as Ronco would say. Uh, and that really would be a great help for me to continue to grow this podcast and expand it out, to build out website... Uh, to be able to eventually hire some people on to manage some of these things for me, because uh, for those of you, if you've ever tried to do a podcast, it is a lot of work to create the content, to refine the content down, to produce and record and edit and upload and get everything scheduled out for podcasting. It's a lot of work. Uh, and so... Um, in order for me to be able to do this a little more easily, finances helps. Beyond that, another way you can help is to share this. Share the podcast link on your social media. Uh, share it with friends. You can text the link to friends, whatever. Uh, if you share it on social media, I do ask that you do me a couple of favors. One, please make sure, make sure that you mention... Uh, the link so that people can actually go and click on it and listen in. And two, uh, make sure to use the hashtag AnythingGoesPodcast. That would really help me out in getting the message out about the show and help me to have more uh, growth in the community. And as we have more increase in funding, then I can open up website and start doing other things and bring people on. Anyways, I'm going to shut up now so we can get back to the show, which is really what you want to hear. So, let's get back to that. Alright friends, we are back. Well, as we continue in this journey, we're going to jump over to Austria. And we'll look at a... Um, myth a narrative that came up in Austria about the plague, uh, about pandemic. Uh, so let's jump into that one. 
And again, if I can't pronounce something, I will try my best and then I will spell it out so that you can figure it out for yourself then. Here we go. In Pusarnitz, P-U-S-A-R-N-I-T-Z, on the northern boundary with Lernfeld, L-U-R-N-F-E-L-D, there is a prominent grave mound in the old cemetery immediately behind the church. According to legend, it came about as follows. Many people, or I'm sorry, many people, many years ago, the plague was ravaging Pusarnitz, P-U-S-A-R-N-I-T-Z, taking countless victims. The region was in danger of losing its entire population. Then one day, a voice was heard in the air declaring that the pestilence would immediately be defeated if a human were buried alive. The people who heard this did not know where to turn. Not one of them wanted to die such a horrible death. Finally, they decided that on the following Sunday, the first person to leave the church after the Mass would be the sacrifice. Two men stood watch in front of the church door with a young woman, a waitress, at the Bogner Tavern, stepped out of the church. She had walked scarcely a few steps when the men took hold of her and dragged her to the grave that had been dug for this purpose. Wringing her hands, she begged the men to spare her. She said that she had the keys to the cellar with her and that she had to hurry home. Nevertheless, before the others left the church, she was lying in the grave, covered over with stones and earth. Thus, she had to sacrifice her young life for the good of the remaining population. The plague's ravage, ravages ceased at once. As a sign that the sacrifice to the plague was buried there, an elderberry bush was planted on the grave mound. As the bush grew larger, the people carefully trimmed it to keep it from sticking out over edge of the adjoining peddler's cottage. For, according to the legend, if it did so, the plague would return. One year ago, the bush was cut down. The legend further declared that the mound grew even larger for some years following the death of the unfortunate young women, or woman, sorry. A similar legend is told about Weitensfeld, W-E-I-T-E-N-S-F-E-L-D, a town in the Gurk Valley, G-U-R-K. There is a simple wood-framed fountain at the lower end of the town's marketplace. Above the fountain stands a column on which there is a large wooden statue of female figure wearing a broad-brimmed pointed hat. It is said that she represents a virgin who was buried alive in the marketplace in the Middle Ages. The townspeople believed that this was the best way to halt the pestilence that was then ravaging the countryside. And in this, they were indeed successful. Later, a statue of the Virgin was erected 
above the market fountain as a monument to her love and to her sacrifice. Macabre, dark, and yet that is part of humanity, part we don't like to look at, but as you've heard me say for those who have followed from early on in these episodes, when we're painting, paintings aren't only just the bright colors, it's also the dull colors. We need the contrast, we need the blacks and whites, we need the all the rainbow of colors, we need the shades, tints, and hues of color. All of it. And so sometimes it's, you know, dark, even for humanity. Everything we do isn't amazing. <laughs> but here we go, right? Now this time, again, a female. She is not the personification of the plague, but she is at the mercy of... I don't know, I'm going to say a bit of mob mentality craziness that has occurred. The idea that if we sacrifice a person, the plague will go away. And that was the idea that they swear by, right? Is that it did. And then these crazy things like the bush and all of that, right? I think it is in that when it's interesting with the bush and having to keep it trimmed exactly because the idea that if you don't do things exactly right, Right? You might trigger the pandemics, the plagues again, when the reality of it is, we, we like to think we are in far more control than we really are. We like to think uh, that we are the masters of our universe, but really we're not. And I think a lot of times, as you've heard me say for those who have listened for a while, in previous episodes, I've stated that sometimes um, for humanity, it's a psychological thing that we do. It's a tool we use for coping. Uh, we, we create rules, we create laws, we create structures, uh, we create belief systems, uh, partly to help us make sense of the chaos and partly to give us stability. Because if we had to acknowledge how much we're not in control of and how precarious uh, our life really is every day, every moment, it'd be too much to deal with, I think. Uh, and so we create these things to help us cope, to help us manage. And uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I have a cat laying its head on my toes. I guess it's decided it needs warmth or a pillow of sorts for its head. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Um, so we, we look for these, these things to blame. Now, I do see an interesting similarity in the sacrifice of a young woman. Uh, here we have this narrative of the virgin woman, right? Now we've heard that before in many different things. Um, we see that in the idea of like the the myths of and the the stories of Dracula, right? We we see that in uh, let's see the sacrifices when there's a sacrifice demanded. It's a virgin, right? They're they're pure. Um, the fact that it's a woman, uh, there's symbolism that goes there. Now that said, I'm not going to say that there's a similarity I've seen with COVID nineteen stuff and that in particular. Although there is some similarity with one of the conspiracies I think of, and that was of Pizzagate, right? The idea that 
elite people and politicians and celebrities that are Satan worshippers who sacrifice babies and use their blood for some something in it that keeps them young or whatever. Here we have some similarity in the idea of sacrificing babies, right? They're not, I mean, I guess you could, well, no, yeah. Babies should be virgins. And if something isn't the case there, then you need to examine that because something is going on potentially that is really heinous. Uh, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. Nevertheless, we see these things there, right? And so here we, we do see some similarity in that regard about innocence, purity, um, being used as a supplanting. And in that regard, that's similar to the uh, Hebrews in Egypt narrative you get in the Torah or in Christian Bible, the New Testament, or Old Testament, apologies, uh, using the blood of the lamb. And it had to be a lamb. It had to be a lamb without blemish, right? And so it was this pure, innocent uh, thing that was used as a supplanting for all of the, or that was used in place of, not supplanting, in place of um, everyone else, right? They, they carried the burdens of everyone else upon themselves and had to pay the price for it. So you see these things that come up, right? Uh, again, it's, it, there's things that emerge that are the same. Now here again, right? What's going on? Where do they make the decision? Where are they at? At a church. We've seen that in previous stories about preachers, priests that were talking to the plague, um, people saying, you know, if you say God bless you, people saying we need to go in and pray, you know, you start to see how no matter where it is, there's themes that begin to emerge no matter what part of the world it is that start to have similarity. And you start to see how those things pass from one place to another, almost like they're being spread. Imagine that. So yeah, with that said, Let's germ, or germ, <laughs> I suppose that's a Freudian slip. Uh, let's jump into another one. Let's see where we're going to go. I think we've already, have we talked about Germany? Um, I don't think we've talked about one for Germany yet. I see Poland and Estonia. Uh, well, we talked about Austria. I think that's why I was thinking that. Okay, uh, we'll, do we want to do that one? We'll go with a smaller one. There's one I found uh, in Germany that's really large. It's like along the border of Poland and Germany. But since we've already talked some with Poland, let's go to a different one. Uh, so here's one, uh, and I will tell you now, it's a difficult one, but remember this is something that's occurred in many countries, not just in Germany. Um, and this is in the 1300s, 1349. But having been a student of the arts and gone through art history, I know that anti-Semitism is something that has existed for quite a while. Uh, racism in general. Um, I have seen some of the ways that in medieval uh, illustrations, they depict people that are not of them, right? The kind of typical white European kind of thing. Again, not trying to ruffle any feathers, just addressing things as I've seen them. Now, that said, let's jump into this narrative on the Germany-France kind of correlation here, or border, with uh, that story. According to the well-known legend, 
It was the Jews who caused the Black Death by poisoning and infecting the wells, thus bringing the plague to Christendom. It was said that relatively fewer Jews died from the plague. Everywhere they were persecuted, arrested, tortured, and burned to death by the thousand. Although the Black Plague, or the Black Death, did not come to Strasbourg, S-T-R-A-S-B-O-U-R-G, until the summer of 1349, already one year earlier the city council was pressured from various sides to attack the Jews living in the city with fire and sword. Enemies of the Jews felt that these attacks were too lenient. The community's uproar brought about a change in the city government. Under the administration of the new council, on February 14th, St. Valentine's Day, 1349, 2,000 Jews were burned to death in their own cemetery near the northern boundary of the city. The plague broke out in Strasbourg on St. John's Day, June 24th of the same year. The street in which the Jews were burned to death is still today, in 1852 in the writing of that, named Brandgas, or Fire Alley, B-R-A-N-D-G-A-S-S-E, or maybe it's Brandgasse. Now, again, let me emphasize, I'm not picking on Germans, I'm not trying to instigate any issues there. I'm just simply reading narratives of things from back in history of how people have reacted to plagues and how they tended to find someone they would personify or find someone or something to blame. Now, in this case, it was anti-Semitism. They were blaming Jewish people for the issues. And let's be fair here. It says in particular, right, to quote the first sentence here again, according to the well-known legend, it was the Jews who caused the Black Death by poisoning and infecting the wells, thus bringing the plague to Christendom. So, being a person of faith and Christian view, I have to acknowledge that that's part of the history, uh, and certainly not the last time. As we saw with Hitler and all of that, the, it is well known that the Catholic Church, some people tended to turn a blind eye to what Hitler's people were doing. So, And then with Martin Luther... I know that there was some aspects of anti-Semitism that arose there. Again, not ruffling feathers, not trying to, just simply pointing out what I have known and seen. Uh, and so trying to find those similarities where we, as human beings, uh, carry on some of these narratives and pass them on and change them up. But some things remain. Who to blame, personifying something, whether mystical or you know, alive, tangible. Um, and even now, right, we still see the same thing. We're always looking for someone to blame. Like, as I said uh, before, in the U.S., it's been, I think, Anthony Fauci who's taken the brunt of the heat for the COVID blame, right, for people who want to find someone to blame. They're like, oh, he did it, and he was in cahoots with China. And then with the 45th president, he would blame uh, China, and, you know, he referred to it as the China virus, which didn't help with, uh, not anti-Semitic, but anti, I guess, uh, Asian views. I, I'm not sure how else I would de describe it to kind of cover what it was doing there. And that's not new, right? 
We saw the same thing with Pearl Harbor and the internment camps in California where they did that to people uh, from, uh, I guess, Asian descent. Um, and so you, you start to see all of these things occur and we start trying to find someone, something, or some mythical thing to blame. So you start to see how these things kind of all mish together, mishmash together through time. And with that said, let's take a break. Hey friends, uh, we're coming to the end on this one as well. Um, but I wanted to take a quick moment and break away from the narratives simply to um, once again clarify. As I've been talking about these stories, right, I know that these are addressing things that um, could seem pointed. Uh, and I do want to acknowledge that, yes, I am talking about things that are occurring and this involves people. And so I recognize that. But I want to clarify, again, the intention with all of this is that I'm not trying to um, instigate someone or point the finger and say, you're the problem here. Um, I'm simply looking at history with regard to these myths about plagues and pandemics and trying to find similarities between the myths themselves through time and also how that might correlate to now and what what that might indicate about our human uh, the human nature and our psychology and our tendency towards some of these things, um, right? And this is the value of history, is history helps us to see those things so we can try to do something different. So I wanted to take a moment just simply to say those things and say, friends, uh, I mean nothing personal as I'm addressing these. I'm just trying to look for these correlations and look at the data I have in front of me to try to uh, find some correlation there, some connection. And maybe I'm off on what I'm saying. And if that's so, that's fine. I can certainly um, adapt if people have information that can be more clarifying, that's verified, that's, you know, collaborated or corroborated, right? You have multiple sources, that sort of stuff. I'm certainly happy to see those things. Uh, why do I put those stipulations? Because that's the kind of person I am. As an educator, I always, I, I always expected my students to validate their work and to verify it and to find multiple sources and to find differing multiple sources that could corroborate those uh, things they believe to be true. So all of that said and out of the way, I just wanted to get those things clarified as we continue forward in this uh, interesting little journey through history on myths about plagues and pandemics in the world. That all said, friends, uh, we'll wrap up here and I'll say thank you again for all of you that have followed along all over the world. Um, it's so amazing to have 25 different countries from Western Hemisphere, Eastern Hemisphere, Northern, Southern Hemisphere, uh, from New Zealand and Australia and South Africa, all the way up to, you know, uh, Poland and the Netherlands and Sweden and Switzerland and all up there. Uh, to the Philippines and Saudi, Saudi Arabia and Mexico, Canada, uh, the U.S., and uh, further in like South America, all over. And from l less than 17 years old to over 65, 60 years old, it's amazing to have such a diverse group. 
And I am thankful for that, friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Um, if you're able to, you know, you can throw this on your RSS feed. This way you get alerted about every new episode the moment it publishes. Um, you can also share this, and it would do me a big help to do so. Uh, you can put it on social media. Make sure you please include the link so people can click on it and go and listen in. And if you would, use the hashtag AnythingGoesPodcast. Uh, that helps me to get some exposure, helps me with analytics, helps me with stuff that helps me to know um, that it's getting out there. The other thing you can do, and this one really would help too, is if you're in a position to do so, uh, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, hyphen Guzman, G-U-Z-M-A-N, hyphen M-A. There you can click on that support button and become a monthly subscriber or supporter to the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month. Now this is in U.S. dollars. $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. Uh, that's a recurring, so you set it up and as long as you want to, it'll just do it each month. It'll go ahead and withdraw and do that over to us. I certainly would appreciate that kind of support if you can do it. Um, I really want to be able to get more guests in. I really want to get a more dedicated studio space that I can um, isolate background noises and stuff that sometimes can get a little difficult or distractions that can throw me off from my train of thought. I'd also love to be able to get a co-host at some point so I'm not the one having to do all the talking. Uh, and also to build out website and a lot of these other things that I, I would really love to do to get the community built up, plus to get some good graphic design stuff done to get some uh, merch out there for those that want mugs or shirts or hats or pins or what have you. Uh, so all of that said, friends, remember to be good to yourselves. Take care of yourselves. You only get one life. You only get one body. So be good to it. Be good as best you can to those around you. It's a tough time for all of us. Uh, let's not make it tougher on ourselves as much as we can and those around us. Um, as we go through this pandemic still and we're at Omicron and hopefully no other mutations, let's be decent to one another. If you need to, wear masks. Even if you don't like it, I promise it won't kill you. Uh, unless you have like a, an actual medical issue there. Then, you know, do what your doctor says there, right? Who the heck am I? Um, keep your distance if you need to, right? So that people feel safe. Even if you're not worried about it, let's not cause any more stress on others by forcing them to have to be in closer proximity than they want to be. You know, they still got to go to a store or whatever. Let's try to be decent. Um, we're all stressed, but let's, let's keep nice as best we can. Do random acts of kindness. Uh, if you can help someone with some money that needs it, do that. If you can help someone by doing a service for them that they can't do or, you know, they're depressed and don't have the energy or whatever, do that. If it's a smile, a wave, a, hey, you look nice today, whatever, let's do that. Stay curious, friends. Stay kind. Be creative. Use your minds. Let that imagination run and build some crazy things. It's a big world out there, and there's plenty to learn. And we can all learn from each other, and we can all grow from each other. So with all that, friends, all, all that said, friends, uh, 
Thank you again for tuning in, and we will see you on the next one. Much love and prayer and thanks to you, friends. Bye-bye.